Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Alex Brennan and Brett Thomas, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks. Well, just tell me what you're here representing. So what's the deal? I am the chair of the board at Hunter Riff, which is a not-for-profit organisation that is behind the Hunter Innovation Festival, a festival that's been running for 20 years. In, in the Newcastle, Hunter Valley. In the Hunter Valley, yeah. Yep. And we are kicking off, or well, we kicked off on Monday this week with an innovation roadshow, travelling from Musselbrook to Singleton to Port Stephens, Maitland and Lake Macquarie. And then we have a one-day conference next Thursday, the 19th of October, um, we are an organisation and the festival is designed to showcase the innovation that exists within the Hunter Valley. And one of the great innovations that exists currently is the melt. Um, I won't talk about the melt because Brett Thomas, who's with us here, will, will be able to tell you more. The melt, you got me, I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, thanks. thanks I'm melting. Us. Thanks for having us, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, the melt is really, it has its roots in startups and scale-ups. So we, we help companies that are building clean climate tech and advanced manufacturing solutions, real products, hardware products. What's that mean, hardware products? Uh, deep tech and, you know, building a, a, a thing, a device, yeah. as opposed to, you know. Software. Software. Product. Yeah. So, so we think hardware is a new software, actually, um, because all of, the, all of the modern integrated tech these days is a thing. It's a device. So you think about energy transition as an example. You know, it's the solar panels, it's the wind turbines, it's those devices that are actually going to change. So the melt is, what does that stand for, by the way? Well, it's, it's, it's really an analogy that sort of harks back to, to the steelmaking industry uh, of the Hunter Valley. But, you know, you put the raw materials in, you know, you can see the logo there, you put the raw materials in and then out comes a finished product. And the finished product might be a pro- product itself, but it might also be a business, an emerging business, a startup, a scale-up. Like an incubator type business. Yeah. So, yeah. so part of what we do is provide acceleration and incubation services, but we also have a VC fund. Right. So we invest into them. We're creating this sort of virtuous circle, really here. So we we wrap our services around them, which is more than just you know accelerator type programs. We tailor that content really to to provide those founders with all the skills that they need outside of their ideation element. You know, because founders in the hard tech space, they only know a small amount of what's required to bring a product to, to market. They know the engineering perhaps. Yeah. They might know. They might know the engineering, but they might not. They might just have this amazing idea and they need all the service wrapped around it. So we, mm. we have incubator hubs as well um, with mechatronics, robotics and automation machinery. 
and tools because, you know, as a, as a founder, you don't have a lot of capital to yeah. be able to, you know, to pay other service providers at market rates to be able to help you to build those, those products. And so we do it at an affordable price, actually quite close to free um, for those that are in the tent. The so, web, the web so is this for Hunter Valley? Is this no, no, it's, it's for Australian. It's for Australian startups predominantly, yep. Mark. You know, but in the Hunter Valley, it's based in the Hunter Valley. Yeah, and and there's there's strategic reasons for that. Um, you know, we're we're Hunter sort of born and bred people, but um, you know, it, it has all this skill set and all this all this capability that we want to be able to leverage on the back of energy transition and you know and the and the, and the large, you know dynamic shifts that are happening around advanced manufacturing and, and energy transition, not just in Australia. We think what we're doing there could be a blueprint for for Australia more broadly but also globally. There's no point saying come along one of these things and everyone have a sausage sandwich and a beer or something. <laughs> yeah, we're, doers, hands we're doers, Mark. Yeah. I do yeah, it. You, I you do make it. An, you, you're an example of where it can happen. So, yeah, so actually sure. I'm really into this. I've got this great idea. Yeah. And you say, well, you better go over and talk to him or his exactly. team. And, uh, and you – put them through a process, which I want to talk about that in a second, but sure. why are you doing this in the Hunter Valley? I mean, what's the deal? I I just think that this is a, a really critical time in the Hunter's history. You know, BHP closed its steel mills 20 years ago and that was the start of a massive transition for the region and we had to repurpose and retool and reskill a lot of our workforce. And now with, the, with coal declining, and uh, renewable energy on the rise, it's another massive transition. And so in order for us to create a platform where people can connect and collaborate, attract investment and create the products and the services that are required to accelerate that transition, we really need to bring people together. We need to ensure that not just locally in the Hunter, People understand what each other are doing and are investing in each other's operations, but nationally and internationally, we can attract investment and attract attention to what we're doing because we are the world's largest coal export port. And we're in a period of diversification where we want to become the world's largest energy exporter with methodologies other than coal, with renewable energy. And so. Other than or alongside? Alongside, alongside. Coal's not going to go away in a heartbeat. We need coal in order to transition. We need energy in order to transition. We need both, don't you? We you, do, absolutely. You need new technologies to transition, but you also need coal to do the transition. Yeah, yeah. Because to, they have to go together. To provide the energy. Melt. To, to, that's right, to melt it. And uh, I might just say that the Melt Fund is the only hardware fund in Australia. There's over 100 software VC funds and the only hardware fund that exists in this country is the Melt Fund. And I think that that's a really important point to make because the hardware is what's coming out of the Hunter Valley and that's where we have an edge. We have a highly skilled workforce, people who have worked in the mines and the manufacturing industry for generations that can reskill to create the products for the energy needs of the future for the globe. I, I, I just what a lot of people obviously don't know what you know about the, the region um, and it's still not really a region anymore. I mean it's a giant area. I mean, you know, like Newcastle has become as a place like just houses and everywhere and places like that are really expensive. Like uh, yeah. I know one of my sons just bought one. He lives in Sydney. He's going to yeah. do a bloody development up there. Like I know I've been in Merriweather a couple of times, but haven't been for a while. And he was telling me the prices they get up there is ridiculous. Like yeah. it's not ridiculous. Great, great, yeah, great. prices, fantastic. <laughs> you know, oh. and Newcastle has 
is not Andrew Andrew and Joey Johns anymore. Uh, Joey Johns and Matty Johns and uh, you know a few other Newcastle legends. Yeah. It's gone way beyond that. You know, yeah. it's well beyond the Knights. You know, rugby league side, and uh, the whole region has become that way. It's not just a wine region anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like where you go on on a weekend for three yeah. days or two days and visit all the wineries and stuff like that. It's become quite sophisticated. So I, I wonder whether you, and you said something interesting before was BHB closed down, then heavily heavily reliance of the world's biggest coal port. Um, obviously, Australia's. You know, blessed to some extent with, in relation to you know the, the wineries there, mm-hmm. and you have some very famous wineries coming out of there. But this whole transition process now you, becoming like a technology hub mm-hmm. um, is quite clever. Um, there's opportunity to become that. Please just build me. I just try to do it then, but I did it crudely. Please, either one of you, build me a picture of what has Hunter Valley emerged from in the say the last. 30 years to today. Yeah, the, the key stat that I'd throw at you, Mark, is yeah, the state's domestic product is about 700 million. New South Wales. New South yep. Wales. So that's Seven, a GDP for yeah, New South Wales. For New South Wales, the state domestic product. Yep. 70 billion of that is from the Hunter. So 10% of the gross domestic product that comes out of New South Wales is coming out of the Hunter. 10%. 10%. Mm-hmm. So we bat way above our average there. So yeah. that's a good place to start this discussion. I think yep. that's yeah. seven hundred billion for New South Wales. Yes. Mm-hmm. So seventy billion comes out of out of the out of the Hunter area. It's the world's biggest coal supply chain and the world's biggest coal export port. Now yeah. it's it's not the world's biggest producer of coal, but it's the biggest exporter of coal. Okay. So there's a, there's a difference there. You know, the US has massive reserves of coal. China uh, has place. massive reserves yeah. of coal. Australia has big reserves of coal, but not anywhere near the amount of coal that gets dug out of the ground that are in those places. However, we do export more coal than any other nation in the world. As a port. Yes. Because we have such an efficient supply chain. Right. So you remember when there was that big storm and the Pasha Bolka washed up yep. on Nobby's okay. Beach? Yep. As a result of that, we created the Hunter Valley Coal Chain Coordinator, which is a big data business that manages every train that ships coal from the Upper Hunter and out west from Yulan and Mudgee into the port and ensures that a Chinese ship who requires this degree of thermal coal or this quality, that the right trains arrive at the right time and that it's blended appropriately and it's on the ship at the right time. So that's where that level of efficiency occurs. That's where it came from. And so as a result of the innovation which created efficiency, the Hunter is the the biggest exporter of coal. That's right. In the world. Because of the natural deposits, there are other industries that follow the coal. The power generation industry, so, you know, some of New South Wales' biggest power producing plants are there. You know, there's one in the Musselbrook Shire. It's run by AGL. It's called Bayswater. Yep. Um, it's twin Liddell closed after 50-odd years uh, at the end of April. It produces 20% of all of New South Wales' energy. Industry. One power station. No, yep. right now. So Bayswater is scheduled to close by 20. 32, 33, right? So we, we haven't got long. AGL uh, has got 4.3 million Australian customers mm-hmm. and they've got to supply energy to, right? So they, they've they got to be looking at the next generation of energy transitioning technologies. So there's demand and, and pressure. For, yeah, so, so, so now that's there's a shift in momentum and I'm sure you see it, um, you know, in, in terms of not just political change but but there's a thirst for the big corporates to be, socially conscious and more aware and and looking for alternatives to coal because, you know, coal's not exactly the best thing for the environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, and getting capital funding from large institutions, whether they be banks or, or, or funding through, you know, family offices or through 
or through VCs or whatever the case might be, they're starting to steer away from those those well, dirt. Banks definitely are. The, the hunters being blessed with those resources of coal meant that that was very attractive to industries that required coal, and that's power generation and that's steel making, which is jobs. That's right, and and, and standard of living, mm-hmm. and, and it's very and they're very prosperous. Yep. jobs. You know, they're paying significant amounts of money. Those jobs way higher than the state average, um, and so that's the challenge for these upper hunter communities. Because as these coal mines change, close, yeah, eventually, there's thousands of jobs. So what's the people catchment like? So like given that you've mentioned it's 10% of New South Wales' GDP coming out of the, the mm-hmm. region. It's what about is half the a million people ha- half million. In, the, yeah. in the Hunter. Yeah. So half a million uh, in, people. In, and when I say the Hunter, Mark, I mean sort of Newcastle and Lake Macquarie, which are the yeah. two biggest LGAs. Right. Mm-hmm. There's about half a million people in there. I don't actually know what the, what the broader Hunter 10 councils mm-hmm. that, that Alex mentioned previously. I don't know what the total population is, but it's, you know, it's it's not. It's about a million, I think. It's totally. not many for the contribution that it makes yep. in, in terms of That's in right. terms of that GDP yep. Yep. number. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about um, BHPs, the largest coal mine in the Southern Hemisphere is Mount Arthur, which is a BHP coal mine, and that's been um, scheduled to shut in 2030 and they're talking about plans to Refined homes for the workers there, and I think they're about seven thousand uh, people. You mean jobs it's, or it's homes? Two, jobs? It's actually it's two thousand. Two thousand. They, they directly employ two thousand. Yeah. Directly though, yeah. you know the, the flow on the in, in, into the local government is significantly more. Hmm. You know, BHP pumps sixteen odd million dollars a year into the Musselbrook Shire community. Hmm. That's a lot of money to to replace in you know, seven years' time. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, part of part of the remit for the melt in Musselbrook, we just opened our latest incubation hub there. Well, you know, the PM came and, and, and opened that in, in sort of mid-July. And he's very interested in what we're doing there because it's not just startups and scale-ups, it's fostering the next generation of job creation right from students, you know, kids mm-hmm. years five and six. Yeah, you don't want everyone going... There's no jobs to me. I'm not going to leave at 18. I'm not going to go to exactly. Sydney or something. And that's and that's because exactly, that kills that kills that, districts. That, that kills districts. You're mm-hmm. right, Mark. And so the council, very progressively, you know, I'll, I'll say, great leadership and great vision from them. You know, to build to build a 10 million dollar building and and you know put a million dollars worth of kit in there. Uh, the building's got two levels, a STEM innovation lab on the top, which is very specifically targeting the younger generation to help them to think about STEM pathways and about entrepreneurship opportunities outside of those mining jobs because, you know, Musselbrook is a fifth-generation mining community. You know, the oldest coal mine in, in Australia was there, mm-hmm. Musselbrook Coal, closed recently mm-hmm. after 115 years of production. Now, so so generations of people have, have come straight out of school and gone into these high-paying jobs and, you know, that's not always got to be taken for granted because that's changing. So what we want to do is is, is educate those children and, and, and those, those communities about life after coal, whenever that is. You know, we're not saying that there's going to be a hard, a hard cliff on that but, you know, it'll transition over the course of time. What we want to do is bring... Equally high paying and prosperity jobs, but in a different form. You know, we want them to be the next generation of energy transition companies. You know, solar related or or wind related or all the all the next generation of like yeah. really seriously high tech solutions to to producing you know electricity to put into the into the existing infrastructure, which is sunk cost, and firming yeah. up you know via batteries. 
typically, because that's sort of the missing link at the that's moment. Right. You know, we're blessed, Australia's blessed with all these natural resources when it comes to renewable energies, but it's the, it's, it's the storage of that for, for mm. use at times when the sun's not shining, the wind's not blowing. But the other natural resource that we have, um, which is really important, is we've got people. Human capital, Definitely. yeah, and uh, yeah. and and yours—that's what mm. you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You got people, mm. and uh, and but you've got to make that natural resource viable, mm. and that's yeah. about you got to get hold of these. You got to retrain yeah. older people, mm. but you got to start getting into the heads of the younger people, the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a big population up there. Definitely, a million people, sort of. Yeah, do you have a, a sense of? How old everybody is? I mean, are they older age or younger people? Which is be perfect if it is. I mean, what are we looking at? If I speak about yeah. sort of the mining community, it is it is quite a range, Mark. You know, you've got you've got kids that have come out, done apprenticeships, and you know, and are relatively young. You know, 17, 18 year olds. But you've you've also got in management, you know, people in our in the fifties, like yeah. like me. <laughs> you know, who who are who are looking for a you know, a longevity to a point of, you know, 10 or 15 years and they're out, right? So it's that next generation that we've got to, that we've got to be looking at to, mm-hmm. to, to keep local and, and, and leverage those skills and knowledge of that older generation to be able to pass those skills. Absolutely. Yeah, because because you, you, you don't lose a resource. No, no, that's right. Because you want them to stay If locally, you don't give them a yeah. reason to stay, yeah. yep. they'll go. And we've got a world-class university, the University of Newcastle, but there's always been a problem with the brain drain. They do their degrees and then they go to Sydney or Melbourne or to Brisbane because there's more opportunity there. That's why this um, new energy economy is such a fantastic opportunity to retain talent and creating opportunities like starting at the high school age, these STEM programs like they're running at the mill, to ensure that people understand that uh, you mentioned Musselbrook Coal earlier, Itamitsu, the Japanese company that owns that mine, they're building a pumped hydro station there in the mine void that exists. So there's not a lot of people who know enough about the STEM subjects to be able to ideate and create the engineering for a pumped hydro project. It's complex engineering. Mm. If we can train, inspire and engage those young people to go through an engineering degree at the Uni of Newcastle and then create the infrastructure that will create the energy that will power our communities, then the job's done, you know. It's retaining that talent, like you say, that natural resource of the mines and the capability and the work ethic that exists within the Hunter because we've always had a great work ethic, but directing it and educating it in a way that it can contribute to what the next challenge is. How do you get them on side? So I can imagine there would be some people who would be upset with the... uh, mandate that coal mines got to get closed down, et cetera, like some older mm-hmm. people who are sort of cast in their ways um, might then. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Influence their kids about people with trying alternative sources, ways of doing things. Um, How do you keep the kids on side? Um, and and or do you don't need to worry? Is it is it pretty cool? Like well, everything's I, pretty cool up there. I think it's 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 a quantum. Like it takes time. And I think at the start of the conversation, ten years ago, there was a lot of opposition, and there was a lot of pushback. You know, but over time, not just locally but nationally and globally, people are realizing that this is something which needs to happen. And so I think that those those more mature people who are perhaps opposed to this uh, to this new economy are beginning to to temper their views and perhaps come on side a little bit more. But from what I see, Breton, I'm not sure what, what your thoughts are, the younger generation is really excited about the new energy economy. They're really excited about transition and the opportunities that it affords because they are they have a social conscience. They were raised in a time where everybody cares about the environment. You know, when I was a young bloke, I didn't care. You know, I grew up on a, grew up on a sheep farm. It didn't matter how much glyphosate we threw around on the ground because it was necessary. Yeah. But now that I'm aware of it and I'm conscious of it, I wouldn't do that again. So I think that the I think that the younger generation has a, a, a propensity and more of a desire to want to make a contribution in this space, and that's possibly influence, influencing the older generation as well. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I agree, Alex. But the challenge is that humans don't like change. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Resistance Definitely. to change, probably, and, 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 as opposed to the mission. Yeah, they get the mission, but it's just resistance to change. And yes. and, that, and that that's the biggest hurdle. We we, we well, have inertia. to find ways. Mm. Yeah, whether it's momentum and inertia, but we have to find ways to be able to navigate that change management aspect and get people on board because there's so much prosperity in the Hunter that's been built on the back of these things for so long and and, and so we need to be able to give them confidence to be able to to, to understand and to, and, and to get on board this train to say this is coming yep. you know you need to adopt it and you need to adopt it at a rapid pace and we know Absolutely. that makes you uncomfortable but but that's the situation yeah. so let's do it together definitely let's 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 get everybody on yep. board and that's part of the role of Alex's organization mm-hmm. you know as a co- coordinator and a bit of a bit of an architect or mm-hmm. an orchestrator of some of this but the melt is sort of at the grassroots you know mm-hmm. digging in really deep here um, to make it happen so we're we're, yep. we're doing we're not talking we're doing that's right. And so where, you know, Alex mentioned Itamitsu and the pumped hydro, um, there's also AGL's, you know, the closer of, of Liddell, they're, they're creating a Hunter Energy Hub there. So they're inspiring the next generation of startups and scale-ups, not just in energy but in ag tech and other yeah. other industries. They want to bring them into that precinct, create a create an energy precinct. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the melt is because we're agnostic, we can help with that sort of sourcing and, and recruitment and, and, then the, and then the mentoring and the nurturing of those startups and scale-ups with, our, with the skills that we have. I mean, we've, we've incorporated hundreds of businesses over the course of time in yeah. various inclinations, uh, invested in, you know, a few, a few hundred businesses along the way as well. So we've got a good, you know, handle on what it takes to, to mm-hmm. create successful businesses. About 80-odd percent of the businesses we've ever invested in are still in business or have been acquired. So that's kind of bucks the trend of yeah. 90% failure rate of startups yeah. around the world. So we're pretty proud of that. And and so, you know, with that, we can help these precincts 
you know, the, the Itamitsu precinct, the, the AGL yeah. precinct, and then the, the, the Port of Newcastle, Port of Newcastle yeah. is building a clean energy precinct there too because the challenge for them is at the moment, you know, they're exporting 160 million tonnes and it's, and it's a big number, yeah. you know, on the balance sheet. But as that diminishes, they need to replace that energy export with some other product, mm. not necessarily coal, maybe it's hydrogen, maybe it's some other product. And, and so that's that's the change management process yeah. that everybody needs to sing from the same song sheet to say, let's get on board this and let's all contribute mm-hmm. in the same way that we do with the coal at the moment. But let's transition it away from coal Definitely. and see what else we can what else we can do with our talents and our human yeah. capital and our and our financial capital yeah. and all the skills and all that we've learnt along the way to create these globally successful industries. Let's do it in a different form. Together. And if we were to create a hydrogen industry, which is a long way off yet from what I can gather, um, we need green electrons to feed the electrolyzers to create green hydrogen, which can then be used to make green steel. That's, you know, that's the, the nirvana. Offshore wind is something that we're talking about a lot. You know, there's been offshore wind zones declared. But if we think about the amount of steel and cement that's required to build those turbines... Is Port Kembla going to be able to produce enough? I don't think so. So um, some of the offshore wind proponents like OceanX are advocating for a steel production facility in Newcastle. We've got a proud heritage of steel production. But in order for that to work, we need it to be green steel, you know. It can't be – we can't be burning coal, metallurgical coal, because then we're just adding to the problem, you know. But it's places like the melt and – brains that have that engineering capability and that STEM background that'll be able to solve those complex problems that will allow us to kind of fit those pieces of a very complex puzzle together to be able to create green energy, which will feed the green industries, which will allow us to export energy and other products to the world and ensure that the prosperity of the region and of the nation continues as we have. It's a very dense topic. (laughs) Yes. A lot of people tune out into dense topics because mm-hmm. you've got to think too hard. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, you guys, you're doing it. And yeah. you, sometimes we need people to do it for us or facilitate mm-hmm. it, which is what you guys are doing. It. Is the idea of the festival and calling you in a festival, mm-hmm. is that to give a dense topic some levity to make it a little bit more sort of fun and enjoyable because, you know, you're trying to get kids involved who might know nothing about the topic, yeah. might not have a view one way or the other, or might may have a view, but but more idealistic, but yeah. don't realise how much hard work, this is all about hard work. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of hard work, lots of layers to be done here because yeah. if you're trying to unpack something has been, it's, it's a bit like being living in a, a, a wonderful home has really raised lots of generations and but every generation's um, got a whole lot of stuff stored away there. Yeah. And, you, and then all of a sudden you want a, new people moving in and you've got to move out and you think, shit, we've got some stuff here. You know, we <laughs> yeah. got, where are we going to put all this stuff? Yeah. And it's, how do we unpack this house mm. and then kick it off again? It's a bit like that to me. It's a great house but it needs to be unpacked and repacked mm. with a new family and uh, and it's just the thought of unpacking everything or packing, yeah. you know, like, fuck. It's like, big, right? You're thinking to yourself, my God, like, this is heavy. I don't want to do it. Mm. Like, oh, and I'm going to pull out stuff that reminds me of things that I, I don't really, I've tried to forget about. Um, it, that, that's sort of analogy in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It is a big problem, right? In its entirety, when you view at it, when yeah. you view it, it seems overwhelming. And what I've learned is that 
when you've got a big problem, if you can put a whole bunch of people together and create a level of collaboration and excitement and enthusiasm and break that big problem down into tiny little chunks and just give them one little problem to solve, then as a as a collaboration, as a group, you can actually come up with some fantastic outcomes. But does the so, festival do that? No, it doesn't, but it creates a platform to bring people together to ensure that this person who may never have met that person who has a widget that could accelerate that technology that will ensure that they build those offshore wind turbines quicker actually connect and that they are... So it's about a network then? It's about, yeah, it's about... A platform for a network. A platform for a network and for collaboration. And, um, you know, we run a series of events throughout the year, Innovators Lunch, as we call them, that are designed to address just those things. And it's about the things like advanced manufacturing, circular economy, clean energy, you know, like the big ticket items that are going to ensure that we meet our net zero ambitions. Um, but that there are many businesses across the Hunter that can make a contribution. The Melt's one of those that brings those businesses together and helps them if they've got a great idea and they need to create a prototype that'll allow them to take it to a potential customer who'll then invest in that business, then that's, that's, the, that's the spark, you know. So it's bringing businesses like that together that the festival is about. So you're like the top of the sieve. Um, you know, yeah. Pour all, pour all everything in the funnel. up at all as many yeah. points as possible to as let as many good ideas and collaborations and people come in as possible. Yeah, and then they sort of end up in the melt. Yeah, and then hopefully uh, somewhere at the bottom we end up with a product, products. Yeah, that's that, right. Or yeah. And or services and companies. Yeah, and, companies and, that employ people and yeah. sustainable things. Yeah, that actually yeah. rebuild. Yeah. What it is, and fill holes, and yeah, you know, and help with this with those challenges. Yeah. So, you know, if I could sort of answer your question in a slightly different way, Mark, and that is to say that COVID taught us a lot about what we don't do, yeah. <laughs> you know, and what we don't have. So, you know, Australia's become a net exporter, uh, sorry, a net importer, you know, some some years ago, and part of the part of what that does is it creates this talent drain. Alex mm-hmm. mentioned it before where you've got the top minds going off to, you know, to run businesses elsewhere because there's only 50 companies in Australia that you can be a top-level CEO at, right? Mm-hmm. You can go to the US and there's a million of them. Mm. So the best brains here don't have the challenge to, to, to warrant them staying here. And then underneath that you've got this gig economy that everybody's starting to create side hustles and things that have come out of spare time that they had in, you know, in COVID and starting to think differently about their work-life balance. Okay, so there's a lot of opportunity now to be able to look for ways to create a second income or or to not work in large corporate. Because people, there's some people want to transition themselves. They want to transition yeah. from their job to the to a business that they own. Yeah, yeah. as and, well. Yeah, and and, and and the thing is, Mark, that you know the biggest em- employer of Australians is small businesses. Yeah, seventy percent of every employee in this country is employed by small business owners. <laughs> yeah, and, and so that that next generation of people that are now thinking about this gig economy and about being being business owners or operators, that's the lifeblood of you know of of that underpins the the Australian sort of workforce statistics. So, like, if you if you the, the, you know we we hear the politics all the time and we see the political promises that are made all the time by various parties in order to win elections. Um, and to appeal to their constituencies, etc. And then we see how Australia sits on a global scale in terms of what we've agreed at various summits around the world as to our participation mm-hmm. in um, the whole issue of uh, net zero, etc. Um, and and our own ambitions. But at the end of the day, the governments don't really do any of this. It's guys like you do yeah. it because it has to be done at the grassroots. 
and governments can sponsor it, governments can mm. pat everyone on the back and turn up and blah, 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 but it has to be done in the grassroots. So, mm. you know, you have to provide the um, marketplace yourselves. Yeah. Mm. Because, it, it, cause, you know, like governments have they like, but if there's nowhere to go in, if mm. they don't have a melt, yeah, a place, an accelerator like you guys are having mm. um, or provide up there, um, then the idea will sit there as an idea nothing will ever happen. It would be never a prototype, therefore there will be never a customer or an investor, mm. um, therefore there will be never, never be enough capital to take the prototype to the next level, fail or, or succeed, doesn't really matter, it just never gets mm. to the next level at all, so you never find out. And that's so true, it's a, that's a really good way to sum it up. The, 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 the thing about governments is that they need to be the catalyst for change. So they, they need to invest, you know, to be able to 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 bring up the all the ships on the tide. They have to sponsor it. They, they mm. have to sponsor yeah. it because you know to get global traction and to get to get support from top level VCs or PE or or from customers, you know, large customers, they need confidence. They need confidence to invest in the next generation of technology. The government needs to control the narrative, and the yeah. government needs to control Definitely. the policy. Mm. That, that gives them confidence that this is not a short-term fix, yeah. that this is, the, this is the direction that the nation's taking. And so it's nation-building. It's nation-building. Yeah, right. and, and, you know, the change of government, uh, you know, I don't want to get political here because, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a political person. Uh, but the, the thing is that the, the narrative has to be right and that, mm-hmm. that energy transition and that advanced manufacturing stuff, you know, you've seen the reconstruction fund and all these, mm-hmm. all these big announcements that have come out on the back of COVID and it's really getting smacked in the face with what the hell are we doing? We can't even, we can't even make PPE anymore to mm. protect our health, health workers. Yeah. Simple stuff. You know, we had to go to one of the mining magnets without, yeah. you know, saying who it is to go and, Leverage his supplies in China to be able to get PPE, mm. you know, and it's the most simple of basic mm. analogies, but we need to do that across all of the business sectors. We need yep. to be self-sufficient. We need to be onshoring stuff Definitely. and we need to be manufacturing and value-adding right through the supply chain here. Yeah, If we can do that, that creates prosperity, it creates jobs. Definitely. And all those things that you mentioned, quite rightly, Mark, that all flows. The wallet's open. There's prosperity yeah. for all. People are buying and selling, and and you know, and 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 everybody wins. And if we look at the trade relationships that exist between Australia, Japan, and Korea, they're largely based on coal exports. And I heard the CEO of the Port of Newcastle tell a story that they went over to Japan, and they had a meeting with their key stakeholders, and they told them all about these wonderful clean energy things that they were doing, um, hydrogen and solar and all of this sort of stuff, and. Uh, in about as rude a way as a Japan man can respond, he said, that's all well and good, but we need you to ensure that you will continue to export your coal to us for the next 30 years. You know, so so that they trust the Hunter and the Port of Newcastle to be their energy provider. They want to invest in our clean energy projects, but they also need to be assured that that supply chain of good high quality thermal coal that's powering all of their power stations remains you know because they know where their people freeze in winter so they need to know the transitions on on track that there is a proper transition in the interest of time i just want to ask you this like we'll just change tack a little bit here so tell me why should someone go to the festival what are they going to get out of it like if, if someone's sitting here in sydney you want to take your family what's the deal 
Obviously, it's not just for people living in the Hunter area. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's not actually just about energy transition. That's the key issue at the moment, right? Yeah. But there's a whole lot of talk about um, health innovation precincts, about venture capital, about accessing capital. I think anyone from what would they expect uh, to see up there when they go up there? Is it going to be like a kids? Play castle. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's going to happen? So they'll be uh, at Newcastle City Hall. We've got some pretty impressive um, keynote speakers in the morning and then a whole series of panel sessions in the afternoon addressing those topics that I just mentioned. There's an electric vehicle showcase in Wheeler Place, which is adjacent to the City Hall. So we've got um, electric vehicle proponents from around the world like Kia and Hyundai and some local places like Janus with their EVs and EV charging stations. Um we have, you know, some social, um, you know, lunch and drinks in the evening. And I guess it's an ideas festival. It's an inspiring place to be to meet the next generation of founders and business owners and to and to hear what's happening in the Hunter. So, so like, for example, next week we've got South by Southwest and that, that's mm-hmm. sort of a similar sort of, um, it's the first time you're in Australia, but yeah. it's a similar sort of concept. You want to get people up there who have ideas Definitely. And or anyone who wants to witness ideas, new ideas. And it's not just around the transition, energy transition. No. It's just generally, isn't it? Yeah. It's, look, it's come and see what the hunter can offer you yeah. as an entrepreneur. You know, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're thinking about being an entrepreneur or you're looking for a place to pilot and prototype and produce, come and have a look at it. Because, you know, it's hard to get people to, to think outside the, the square when it comes to Melbourne or Sydney. You know, when they think that to be an entrepreneur, that's where you have to be. Well, that's that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, you can be an entrepreneur anywhere. But what you need is the support metrics, you know, and the tailored, the tailored ability to be able to reach those networks to help you resolve the infinite number of challenges that mm. you face. And so what we want to do really is showcase the hunter for all its for all its worth to say, hey, you know, we do exist and there's and there's just as bigger opportunities for you to come here and look look and see. So yeah. come and immerse and engage. Yeah. Come and have a look what's on offer. Come and have a look at the world class facilities, you know, because they truly are. And and make a decision for yourself. Yeah. And inf- an informed decision. It's yeah. funny, you know, like uh I've been thinking for- for just a month or so um, about Newcastle in particular, but like the whole Hunter region um, and how is standard living is quite high. When I've been reading because I'm, I'm in the property game and I'm always mm-hmm. reading about property prices, et cetera, and, and yeah. wondering that there must be a lot of money up there. There's obviously – because prices are doing so well up there mm-hmm. and it seems as though that pretty much everybody seems to be employed. So it doesn't seem mm. to be difficult to get yeah. a job. And they, as you said earlier, that people get paid well. Relatively speaking, I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and now you've told me about the you know the um, contribution to New South Wales GDP that the Hunter area provides, which is a stat I never knew about, and that's quite impressive. But what's interesting about all this is that often regions talk about what they've got to do to fire up their region, and they talk about making ourselves a technology hub, the new Silicon Valley, and all that. But mm-hmm. no one ever does anything. But the point that I, the thing I've learned for both of you today is one: you celebrating your own ability. You know, the hunter is celebrating his own ability to actually bring to the game mm-hmm. resources, actual resources. Not that's not coal; yeah. it's capital, know-how, knowledge, engagement, uh, support for all those things that are necessary. Necessary, but not just limited to that. But all those things that are necessary to actually take us to this really exciting point that is energy transition. In other words. What are we going to do? And you've for the future, because we've got to do it. Mm. So it's interesting that your region 
has actually done something about this. I mean, it's not just the um, festival, mm-hmm. uh, the innovation festival. And I usually don't like that word because a lot of people don't know what it means. Yeah. It means lots yeah. of things, but the it Hunter is. Innovation Festival, the, the Hunter If, um, I, I find it really interesting that you two guys have come down and you're doing a roadshow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool because I've been in lots of regions and where I speak and they ask me, you know, what should we do? And I say, well, why don't you just try, like, try to become an IT hub or something like that along those lines. Yeah. But no one ever does. And what I'm impressed about here is that you guys are doing it and not only that, you're on the road talking about it. You're on the mm-hmm. show talking about it, which I appreciate. And uh, and I have to say I, 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 I genuinely am impressed and I am genuinely impressed by what's going on up there, the whole area. And I'm genuinely thankful that you guys have gone out of your way to run such a festival. And it's not just when it happens, it's you guys by the sound of doing it all year anyway. And, you know, and the Melt's doing it all the time, yeah. every day. That's what yeah. we do. Yeah. Been yeah. on it for years, mate. But yeah, I wish you years. the best and thanks very much from everybody here in New South Wales. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.